passage open in front of you that we read together, Ephesians chapter 1, that would be useful. I certainly am not going to be working through it verse by verse this evening, but I will be referring to it uh, halfway through what I'm going to say in the next few minutes. So have it open there in front of you to have a glance at it at that point. This evening and for the next couple of Sunday evenings, we're going to spend a little bit of time finishing off a series that we started at the start of the summer. I had planned to have this finished before the summer started, but you can blame this on the birth of Sophie. She came along and threw my routine and everything that I planned up in the air a wee bit. So rather than leave the the series half-baked and half-finished, I'm going to take tonight and two more evenings to finish it off. It strikes me that the summer seems an, an awfully long time. Uh, it seems like an age since I preached at a normal evening service here a couple of months ago. One, one thing that's really struck me this year, lots of weird things can happen over the summer. I found myself even interested in the cricket this summer, which is something I've never had trouble with before, but uh, I hope it'll just be a passing phase. Uh, looking forward to the last test starting on Thursday. Do you remember what the series was about? Uh, May and June, we thought for a few evenings about God's guidance in our lives. Remember what we said, God loves to guide his people. He doesn't hide his will from us, but rather he guides us. And whenever we began the series, I spent the first evening not saying anything constructive, but actually destroying an idea, uh, a very commonly held idea. The idea is this, that Christian people should be seeking the will of God. And I spent an evening taking that idea apart and showing that actually it's not a biblical idea. God's people don't need to seek the will of God as though we're teasing something out of God that God doesn't want to give us. Rather, we need to learn what it is to live under God's guidance, God's guidance that he readily wants to share with us. After getting rid of the idea of finding the will of God, we thought of particular ways in which we know that God guides his people. We thought of three of those at this stage in our series. The first way in which God guides his people is by his word, and that's absolutely fundamental. If you're a person who says you're looking for the will of God, but you're not reading God's word or not seeking to find God's will in his word, then you're barking up the wrong tree. God's word is the first place we go to when we want to know God's way for our lives. So that was the first thing we said. Then we spent a second evening talking about a way in which God guides us. And this one may have surprised you. God guides his people by the desires of their own hearts. We said that when a person is in Christ, the spirit of Christ is at work in them. God's people need to be growing in confidence that God's work in us is real, that we can begin to trust the promptings of our own heart as God's spirit transforms us and makes us more like Christ. Do you know what God really wants for each one of us? He wants to make us so like Jesus so like himself, that he can give us exactly what we want because it's what he wants for us anyway. So that's the second place 
we go to seek God's guidance in our lives, to look for God's guidance, the desires of our own hearts as God's Spirit works in us and through us. And then thirdly, we recognize that God guides his people as we listen to the good advice of Christian friends. You know, really, this is one of the reasons why God has given us the church at all. It's why being a Christian on your own just doesn't make any sense. God has ordained it this way, that when we come to start out on the life of Christ, we do it together with other people. People who are further along the road, people who are wiser, people who can help us and guide us. So those are the the three aspects of God's guidance in our lives that we've thought about so far. And tonight, for a few minutes, we're going to think about a fourth one. There's a fourth way in which God guides his people. And for want of a better word, I'm going to give it a slightly old-fashioned title, Providence. There's an element in each one of our lives that we can't control called providence, and that, that as well is God's will for us. I looked it up in a couple of dictionaries to see how they would define this word providence. One of them defined it as God's care and protection. Another one defined it as the benevolent guidance of God. Okay, God is always at work in the circumstances of our lives, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in very large ways. And sometimes this feels like chance to us. The way things work out, circumstances and the way they unfold. And actually that's okay. If it feels like chance, that, that's quite natural. That's, that's how it's always going to feel to us uh, as God's people. Let me try and illustrate for you. First of all with a biblical example and then with a personal one. Sometimes the Bible recognizes this this human tendency to see it as chance and and uses that very word. For example, in the book of Ruth, some of you might remember, we looked at the book of Ruth together in spring a couple of years ago. In chapter 2, we read there, Ruth chanced on the field of Boaz. Now, the biblical writer makes this appear like a huge coincidence that Ruth happened to end up in the field of Boaz, this relative of Naomi, her mother-in-law. But as you read on in the book, you realize that actually this is far from a coincidence, that this is God's guiding in her lives. And throughout the book of Ruth, there's something very interesting. God never once speaks directly to Ruth and tells her what to do. Never in the whole story. But time and time again in the story, we find that that the circumstances, the way things work out, are guided by God for Ruth's good, for Naomi's good, and for the good of God's people. So that's a biblical example of what I'm talking about here tonight. Providence. I was reflecting just on my own walk with God, and, and there are lots of occasions I could have shared with you when my life has appeared to be governed by chance, I remember talking to Russell Burney towards the end of the year that I spent working at Highkirk. And it was, it was at that point that Russell explained to me how it was that he came to invite me to minister at his church. He let the cat out of the bag. I wasn't his first choice. 
sort of took the wind out of the sails a wee bit. He explained to me that he, when he realized he was going to be moderator and, and would need pastoral provision in his church, he made contact with a guy. The guy had agreed to come. The deal was done. This was the person who was going to be moderator's assistant at Highkirk for that particular year. And then just before the period at which this fellow would have been starting, another minister with whom he was working became ill and he realized that no, he wasn't going to be able to go for that year to Highkirk. And it was through those circumstances, through this closed door, if you like, or, or this difficulty, this glitch, that I got to be invited to Highkirk. And by the end of the year, both, both Russell and I were just delighted to see how God's, God's providence had been at work and how he ha- had brought uh, the congregation and Claire and I together and how we'd had a wonderful year together. I'm sure you can think yourself of, of times in your life when, when something hasn't quite worked out, but then with hindsight, you've seen what God has been doing in your life. Friends, nothing in our lives happens by chance. I've just said that sentence as though it's dead easy to believe that. I find it really hard to believe that. Whenever I go through next week and things happen, I'll keep thinking, oh, you know, that's just the way it's worked out. But if we do believe in an all-powerful, sovereign God, we believe that life is in his hand. Nothing is accidental. God's design is everywhere. And that's true whether we can see it or whether we can't. You know, that means in your life, there are going to be times when you want to do something, when everyone around you tells you it's a good idea, when it just seems like the obvious and the perfect thing to do, but it doesn't work out. If that happens, we're talking about the providence of God. God providence gives us maybe those difficult times when something that we desperately want doesn't work out, but equally it does, God, God brings things to us that we can't even dream of or imagine. Opportunities come our way. God sends people across our paths at a time when we just, we weren't looking for anything or, or weren't even hoping for anything. All of these, all of these things that happen in our lives that are beyond our control, real examples of God's providence. I want to think again for a second about how this fits in with the other aspects of God's guidance that we've talked about before. Remember the order. First of all, we look to the Bible. If if we're living outside of what the Bible says, then we know that we're going wrong. If we are walking in the ways of God's word, then, then we know that we may be on the right path. Secondly, we should be following our heart's desire. Thirdly, we seek the wise counsel of others. Now, the interesting thing, and something I want to point out to you, those three steps are ones for which you have responsibility. You can spend time in God's Word. You can listen carefully to the desires God has given you. You can seek out the wise counsel of others. You can't control God's providence. That's a key part to God's guiding in our lives 
and it's one that we can't control, it's a little bit frustrating. Because the first three, because we control them, it gives the impression that if we do A, B, and C, we can get to D, or wherever it is we want to go. We're in control. But here we're saying, no, we're not in control of all of this. I want to think for a second with you. I want to take you out of the personal realm. Everything I've said in this series, or most of it, has been about personal guidance. How does God guide individual people? I want to think for a second about how God guides churches and congregations. If, you went, if I brought you down with me tomorrow morning to Wesley Owen, the Christian bookshop down in the center of town, we'd find any number of books that tell you how to run a church. I just made up a few titles because there, there are so many I couldn't, you know, the titles like this, Five Easy Steps to Becoming a Mega Church. Seven principles to guarantee growth for your church. And of course, people rush in. They buy these books because, you know, who doesn't want to be a mega church and who doesn't want to have a growing church? And I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to write that type of book off entirely because there are times when, when some people have found some help in some of these books. But there's also something very dangerous about these books and the attitude that goes with them. They give the idea that all that you need for a a successful church is a well-conceived plan. If you do A, B, and C, it's all going to come together. Your church is going to take off. Church life's going to be wonderful. You'll be growing. You'll be turning people away at the door because you've no seats left. As I've said just a moment ago, friends, the truth is we can't manipulate God. There's nothing wrong with making plans. And I hope that's something I've been encouraging here at Kirkpatrick in the couple of years that I've been here. But the plans that we make must never become God to us. The plans that we make aren't something that we should cling to dogmatically. Instead, you know, as I, as I make plans, I'll tell you, I'm planning for this place all the time. I dream dreams. I lie in bed at night and I think, oh, you know, it'd be brilliant if we could do that. Or next year we'll do this. Or let's try this. And it's very easy to get caught up in that and think, yes, we must do that. Whatever happens, I must force that ahead. Friends, when we live in a world where God is sovereign and where we live under his providence. A better and a wiser way to think and to pray is to say, Lord, I, I have these desires on my heart. I think it would be lovely if we could do this in the church. I think this is what your word would prompt us to do. Some wise people have said, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to go. Lord, all of these things are true. But if this isn't what you want for us, then that's okay. Guide us in your ways. Stop us from the doing the things we ought not to be doing and lead us into the things that we ought to be doing. We always need to leave room for God's providence. 
People, when they tell you about the Apostle Paul, tell you that he's a very stubborn man, very definite about what he wants, somebody who can really force the issue and achieve. But one thing I'm struck when I read Paul is that he really understands this point that we're talking about tonight, the providence of God. Time and time again, he talks about plans that he has made, but that don't work out. Let me run a couple of examples by you. In Acts chapter 18, 21, we read about Paul leaving Ephesus, and he tells the Jewish believers, I'll come back to see you if it's God's will. By which he's saying, if the circumstances work out and God works them out, I'll come back and see you. And if you read on in Acts, you discover that yes, he does go back to Ephesus a short time later. There are lots of other occasions when Paul speaks to congregations about his desire to come and see them. In the first chapter of Romans, he says, I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come and see you. Paul wants to go to Rome, but God's providence hasn't yet allowed for that to happen. In Acts chapter 16, we read of an occasion when he and his companions tried to visit a place called Bithynia, but we read that the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. And that's interesting. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. In a second letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells them that he'd love to come and see them again. But as far as we know, he never made it. So what do we make of this? He wants to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus doesn't allow him. He wants to go back to Corinth, but as far as we know, he never made it. Is Paul outside of God's will? Is he being disobedient? Is he doing something that God has told him not to do? No. There's not even a hint of that. As far as we know, Paul's just being upfront and honest. He's saying what he would love to do. But what we see here is that there are times when God, for one reason or another, does not allow it. God's providence. Sometimes the providence of God, it works through, through timing, through what seems like chance, and it prevents us from doing what we think we'd like to do. As I said already, other times it, prevents, it gives us remarkable opportunities that we never thought we'd have. Friends, a few moments ago, we read together the opening verses of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Look with me at this for one minute. Look at verse 4. We're told there that God planned us and that he created us. Those who are in Christ were chosen in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. If you're in Christ tonight, God has chosen you from before the beginning of time. Nothing that happens in your life is surprising God. Nothing. He's planned it. He's got a future planned for you that, that you can't see and that I can't see but it's in God's hands. Not only did God choose you and adopt you, in verses 6 to 8, he, he blessed you with his forgiveness, wisdom, grace, and understanding. And then in verse 9, 
we read that God makes his will known to us. Look at verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Friends, God is working his plan out through us, his children. And eventually the world's going to see that we, this is something I'm only beginning to understand. At the moment, the world, look, particularly in the West here, the world looks at Christian people and thinks we're nuts. Thinks that we're wasting our time following a God who doesn't even exist. But what the New Testament teaches us is that one day the reality of things is going to be made clear to everyone. People are going to see that you and I were right all along about Jesus Christ. That we were right to be serving him and following him. And friends, God's will for us is clear. That we become more and more like Jesus. That we represent him to the world in which we live. That's God's will for each of our lives. Friends, isn't it wonderful, even if it's a bit hard to grasp, that God's providence makes sense of those parts of our lives that we don't understand? Maybe you've had an opportunity leap out at you recently that you never expected and you don't know what to do with. Don't panic. God is your loving Heavenly Father, and His providence is at work in your life. Maybe God's brought a person into your life or a situation that you haven't had a chance to to even think about or prepare for. Whenever those things happen, just, just trust God. Be open to his providence and ask him to lead you and to guide you through that. I want to close this evening by sharing one last personal illustration of God's providence in my life. It's quite funny. There are a couple of people here tonight who will know the period of my life that I'm talking about. It was in my mid-twenties when I was preparing to go off to start my theological training in Vancouver. I was preparing to be engaged. My girlfriend of six years at that point, she and I had planned to prepare, to to begun to prepare our lives together. And I can still remember the weekend I went over to England to, to visit her and I had only one purpose in mind and that was to pop the question as people put it. I was devastated when at the 11th hour she told me that no, she didn't want to be engaged to me at that point and that she didn't think we should continue our relationship into the future. Although I couldn't see it for some time, it turned out that God had something else in mind. At just the same time, while I was trying to pick up the broken pieces and get my life back together again. God was prompting a young physiotherapist in Edinburgh to come back to her hometown in Bangor and to find work in the Royal Hospital here in Belfast. 
God's providence did something that I did not enjoy or appreciate. Took away a relationship that I thought I could not live without. But at the same time, even while that was going on, God was working somewhere else, bringing another person into my life, guiding me and Claire both in the way forward. Since then, it's been incredible just to to see how much water has gone under that bridge. Claire and I have, have had three different jobs each. We have had a year and a half of full-time study together. We have lived in, I think, three or four different homes. We've now had two children together. We still don't know what's going to happen in our lives tomorrow. We have no idea. And neither do you. If you think you do, how can I say this? You're kidding yourself. None of us knows what will happen in our lives tomorrow. But we know that we have a Father who loves us. If we're in Christ, he's chosen us from before the beginning of time. His purpose in us is to make us into wonderful, shining examples of a life full of the Spirit of Christ. I don't know what God's going to do in my life tomorrow. I have no idea how his providence is going to work itself out. But slowly and in very small ways, I'm learning to trust him. That whatever it is that happens, it's okay. Friends, God's guidance in our lives. There are ways in which we can go and seek it. We can look at his word we can seek the desires of our own hearts. We can, we can talk to wise and godly people. I hope we'll do those things. But we need to be open for God to step in from a place that we can't control and to redirect us in ways that we can't even imagine. Let us pray.